Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, November 9th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini, coming to you from the greatest city in the world. First off, I want to thank James and our friend Rob Johnston, whom I met after seeing the final preview of the band's visit last night, for keeping things running the last few days. I've got another busy day in the city planned, uh, so uh, rather than talking a whole bunch about the experiences, I'll save that for tomorrow uh, when James and I are back together. But Thursday does include quite a major milestone for Broadway Radio, and specifically today on Broadway, because it will include my actual first face-to-face meeting with one James Marino. So hopefully that goes well. If not, maybe James will be doing the show tomorrow and I'll be locked out of all things Broadway Radio, but who knows? Anyway, let's get on to the news. The big theatrical news yesterday didn't come from New York City, London, or even the continental United States, but instead from Puerto Rico, as it was announced that Lin-Manuel Miranda would be bringing a production of Hamilton to the island, still very much trying to recover from the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. The production will take place in January of 2019, and Miranda will recreate his Tony-nominated role for the three-week run from January 8th through 27th at Teatro UPR, the theater at the University of Puerto Rico's main campus in San Juan. The announcement was made from the Teatro UPR stage, which suffered damage during the storm. Miranda is on the island assisting in aid, cleanup, and rebuilding efforts as we speak. He also previously brought his first Broadway musical, In the Heights, to Puerto Rico seven years ago when he stepped back into the role of Usanabe. Jeffrey Seller, who is the producer of both In the Heights and Hamilton, said about the upcoming production, quote, As always, we will work to ensure accessibility for all audiences, and a large portion of the seats for every performance will be available by lottery for $10 each, a Hamilton Of course, anybody in New York or in the various cities around the U.S. and California and Chicago where it's played are very familiar with that lottery. But if I had to guess, I would not be surprised if they found a way to turn this entire three-ish week run into one big benefit for the still crippled island with the big dollar tickets available with proceeds going to humanitarian causes on the island and then many more tickets than normal uh, available via the $10 ham for ham prices. On this show, you know, James and I often talk a lot about how the theater community gives back to those in need, but very rarely are they as immediately impacted by the productions that do give back. So congratulations uh, to both Lynn and Jeffrey Seller and everybody involved for this great example of heart and generosity, but also thank you for the reminder for all of us, whether we're in the theatrical community or not of what we can and should be doing to help our fellow citizens, especially in their times of need. Okay, moving on to some show and casting news. Tonight marks the first preview performance of Bo Willimon's The Parisian Woman over at the Hudson Theater. The show stars Uma Thurman, Josh Lucas, Philip Asu, Tony Winner, Blair Brown, and Martin Kasakis. The dark comedy, which follows the political and personal lives of some Washington, D.C. power players in the shadow of the 2016 presidential election, is directed by Tony winner Pam McKinnon, and opening night is scheduled for November 30th. The play, which debuted about three years ago out in California, has gone through significant rewrites in response to what happened almost exactly a year ago, a year ago this week. Let's not talk about that. We've had much better results in uh, the last few days when it comes to elections. But if you follow Willimon on Twitter, you kind of have an idea as to what his perspective might be because he's not too shy about talking about politics over there. 
Word out of the invited dress last night has been very good. So I think that this could be one of the hit plays of the season. So I recommend getting tickets now before uh, they get a little more steep in prices. Speaking of getting tickets, yesterday it was announced that the literally larger-than-life musical King Kong will be opening on Broadway a year from yesterday on November 8th, 2018. The show's previews will begin at the Broadway Theater on October 5th, and tickets went on sale yesterday. Written by Jack Thorne with a score by Marius DeVries and songs by Eddie Perfect, King Kong is directed by Drew McOney. The ape at the center of the story is brought to life by a mix of robotics, puppetry, and stagecraft and apparently is pretty impressive to see. You know, based on the previous productions of the show, there's been so much turnover as to the creative team that I don't really have an idea as to what to expect from the piece as a as a work of dramatic literature. But one thing seems to be certain, that the actual physical King Kong at the center of the production will be pretty spectacular. As we've previously discussed, Andrew Keenan Bolger will be playing the title role in an upcoming one-night-two-performance production of the musical Chris Kringle over at Town Hall. That will take place on November 24th, and well, yesterday we found out who would be joining him, and it is quite a cast. First, Tony nominee's Kathy Rigby, who will be the narrator, and Pamela Myers were announced, along with original Into the Woods Cinderella Kim Crosby, who we've already discussed, and the most recent Cosette on Broadway, at least in terms of opening night, Samantha Hill. Also in the show's ensemble will be our friend Todd Buonapane. Chris Kringle, the musical, features a book by Maria Campi with music and lyrics by Tim Janis and Angelo Natalie. Tickets are on sale now and begin at just $35. We will have a complete cast list in the show notes at broadwayradio.com if you want to check that out. And finishing up this section, going from stage to screen, yesterday it was announced that theatrical streaming service Broadway HD had added a slate of West End productions to its catalog, including the previously announced new musical, The Wind and the Willows. Also joining that musical, which will be available on November 23rd, are Tim Rice's From Here to Eternity, which will be able to be streamed on December 7th, as well as the play The Railway Children coming on December 14th. I am very excited to see all of those coming up in the next few weeks. Yesterday, over at Broadway World's industry section, Kara David-Joy posted a great article looking at the Paper Mill Playhouse and how it went from the verge of closing uh, 10, 11 years ago to hosting major world premieres and being New York's closest out-of-town tryout location. She gets into a lot of uh, different aspects of this, but it's a great read and goes to the ins and outs of the theater, talking about a change in leadership uh, almost a decade ago. That smoothed out a lot of things operationally and changed kind of the focus on how things were done, as well as how hosting the world premiere of a little musical called Newsies put the theater back on the map. Check it out. Obviously, we'll have a link to that in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. And it'll be interesting to see if any of the world premiere musicals that are happening there this season, the previously running The Honeymooners as well as The Sting, actually make it on Broadway and kind of continue that pipeline from Paper Mill to the Great White Way. Okay, last night, James and Daniela Parcell got together to record another theater throwback, so I'm going to send it over to them now. All right, Matt, we're going to take it over from here. Daniela, tell us what's going on in the throwback. Great. So today's throwback isn't too much of a throwback. We are only going back 10 years to the beginning of the 2007 stagehand strike. The strike officially began on November 10th, 2007, but first we need to backpedal a bit to July of 2007. This was when the contract between Local One and the League of American Theaters and Producers, which is now the Broadway League, expired. 
Local One represents Broadway stagehands, and the league represents producers and theater owners. So this was essentially a contract between the stagehands and the leaders at Schubert, Niederlander, and Jujamson. As the contract was reaching expiration, the league and Local One began meeting to negotiate a new agreement. Talks continued into the fall, but the two groups started having more and more trouble reaching an agreement. Without getting too deep into the details, the League basically felt that the current contract terms were costly and inefficient. There were rules regarding how many stagehands must come to work each day, the minimum amount of time for which they could be called, and the kind of tasks they were allowed to perform. In the eyes of the League, these rules left many stagehands sitting around at work with nothing to do. So with this new contract that they were negotiating, the League was hoping to make things more flexible and ultimately cut costs. However, the stagehands did not feel that the new terms proposed by the League were entirely fair. While the League did propose wage increases, these would not make up for the lost income that would come with some of the other provisions that they had suggested. After negotiating for several weeks, on October 21st, Local One members voted unanimously in favor of a strike action against the League. A few weeks later, on November 10th, at 10 o'clock a.m., 350 Local One members who worked on Broadway officially walked out and began their strike. As negotiations continued, Broadway shows were without their stagehands, which was obviously an issue. A total of 27 shows were affected and could not run. The remaining few were playing at theaters owned by nonprofits or by Disney, and all of those had separate contracts. None of them negotiated through the league, so they could keep going. Many other unions, including Actors' Equity and Local 802, stood in support of the stagehands. The VP of 802 stated, Unions on Broadway, all of us are going to stand side by side with the stagehands until this is solved in a way that the members of that proud union are satisfied with, and we will continue to be there with them. A long statement, but it definitely shows their unity. Negotiations continued on and on until finally, late on November 28th, an agreement was reached. Local One agreed to some of the more flexible terms proposed by the League, and in the end, everyone was, I quote, thrilled. In total, the 27 Broadway theaters were dark for a total of about two weeks, and as you've probably guessed, this created a huge financial burden on New York City. In the end, the strike cost the city almost $40 million in lost revenue. But to end on a positive note, the strike was ultimately a success for the League and for Local One, and the new agreement truly did leave everyone satisfied. And just a quick side note, this was the first Local One strike ever in its then 121-year history, but it was the second strike on Broadway in less than five years, the first being by the musicians in 2003. If you want to hear more about this strike, please go ahead and look it up. There are so many details that I didn't get into, but it is all very interesting. That's really cool. I mean, uh, 2007, only 10 years ago, but it seems so much longer than that. I mean... For Broadway, um, we had in 2007, Avenue Q, A Bronx Tale, Chicago, A Chorus Line, Color Purple, uh, Curtain, Cyrano de Bergerac, The Drowsy Chaperone, Grease, Hairspray, Jersey Boys, Legally Blonde, Les Mis, uh, one of the Les Mis revivals. No, I guess it was maybe the original. No. The one of the Limbus revivals, Legally Blonde, uh, Lion King, Mamma Mia, Spamalot, Phantom, Brent, Rock and Roll, Spring Awakening, and Wicked. Now a handful of those are still running. So out yeah. of that, out of that <laughs> list, um, you know, certainly it didn't kill Wicked or Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Mamma Mia played for many years after that, and Jersey Boys did well. Uh, 
Color Purple even came back for a curtain call uh, just uh, two years or so ago. Mm-hmm. And a Bronx Tale is here in a whole different, <laughs> in a whole different incarnation now. <laughs> so that's a that's a really cool throwback. And uh, yeah, <laughs> even though it's only ten years ago, it it, it seems uh, it seems much longer to me at least. It does. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, uh, I had no idea it was going on in 2007, so it feels very far away for me. <laughs> where were you in 2007? What were you doing? Um, I was in fifth grade. Excellent. You're killing me. So I me. don't know you that I knew what a strike me. was. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fifth grade, maybe you're a Wicked fan. My, my daughter's in fourth grade. She loves the Wicked. She calls it the Wicked. You know, actually, that probably was when I um, first discovered Wicked, so... Uh huh. And uh, did, had, did, were you ever Alphaba for Halloween? Um, not Alphaba. I'm sure at some point I was a witch of some sort. <laughs> did you ever hear the story about Laura Benanti playing Fosca for Halloween? No. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine opening up the front door and seeing Fosca? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniela, thank you so much for the theater yeah. throwback, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks. And back to you, Matt. All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Matt, And subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And I do want to say that I really, really appreciate all of the well wishes that listeners have sent my way on social media about my trip to New York. I really appreciate it. It's been very kind. If you want to follow along, you can find my first and probably last until I come back to New York in the spring Insta story at Matt over on Instagram as well. Okay, assuming that our dinner tonight goes well, uh, James and I, I think, will be back together to close out your week tomorrow. Talk to you then. <laughs>